Yeah, yeah, we will see. But they were acting like teenagers, and that they, was nice. Yes, they were. They were all acting like teenagers, which was appropriate. You know, yep. like it when they do that. Good for them, you know? Perlman. I'm getting better. And welcome to another season of XO 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 Riverdale. We're back. We're bad. We're back. Kate, how you doing? How's everything in the going? World, in the words, great. I was going to say, in the words of JLo, let's get loud. That's right. In the words of JLo, let's get loud. Welcome to the first Biden era of you know, episode of XOXO Riverdale. It's pretty exciting. We're recording yeah. this on uh, January 21st, 21st, 2021, which is the day after the Biden administration has come in. Kate and I are both thrilled about it. We just had a big talk about how happy we are about it. And definitely this episode of Riverdale that we're covering, the season premiere of season five, Climax, clearly is a response to the Biden administration coming into it power. Obvious, obvious uh, allegorical references to the modern political state of the United States. That's right. Uh, it isn't at all. Uh, however, <laughs> it, it was a good episode and, and we're gonna get into it. But before we do, let's talk about Riverdale news you know, that's happened this week and you know, maybe over the last few weeks, because we haven't recorded in a while. I was moving. I've been really busy, but I'm settled now and like ready for this season just to rock it. So, Kate, what's been going yeah. on? Um, so, yeah, going back to the last time we recorded uh, Songbird, KJ's movie came out and no one saw it. And that's it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it looked like way too anxiety creating for me. I don't want to see a movie right now about a bunch of people on lockdown because of like COVID-22 or whatever the fuck was going on there. Oh my God. It is not worth the cost to watch at home. Yes. Cause it wasn't being released for free on like a streaming site. Like, right. You it, had to pay like $20 for a movie that no one's interested to watch in your own home. The only movie that was worth paying $20 for this year to watch in your own home was Bill and Tad. Bill and and Ted. that's, that's it. Like 100%. Yeah. Bill and Ted was, Bill and Ted was so worth it. Like Tenant, fucking get out of here. I would you know? say King of Staten Island is on HBO now, and that's how I watched it, and that's good because I would not have been happy if I had paid for it. Thanks for letting me know King of Staten Island's on HBO now because I'm looking forward to watching it and not paying $20. Oh, my God. It's, it's worth the free watch. It's not worth money. Yeah, absolutely. You know, It's also eight hours long because it's a Jed Apatow movie. Yes, um, and he really likes to, yeah. Mm -hmm. Just drag it out. <laughs> Jesus yep, Christ. Yeah. Um, also in Riverdale news, uh, our dear Casey Cott got engaged. That's right, which is a very cute picture of him too on yeah. his Instagram getting engaged. Yeah. Also, I was going to talk about this just while we're on the subject of Casey Cott. There was a shot of him walking away in this episode where it just looked like maybe he's gotten a little bigger in the butt area. 
And I'm going to say, I'm not complaining. I thought it was pretty cute, but it looked a little like he had like maybe gained like some pounds in the butt in a way that I thought was quite cute. So not that I want to be at all body negative or shaming. I thought it was kind of attractive. That was quite body positive. I know. I thought it was quite attractive. I was like, oh, maybe you gained a little during your quarantine, Casey. Very cute. Yeah. Yeah. I'm loving Kevin so far this season. So yeah, he had a great episode. All yeah. his his one scene was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's all I've got. That's all that happened. It was Christmas. Nothing happened. I have a little bit of news, which is just really fun. Uh, so <laughs> Danny Elfman, the famous composer, <laughs> had <laughs> his big Hollywood mansion for sale. Uh, he, you know, is married to Bridget Fonda. So they live together in this big, like really cool 1920s Hollywood mansion. And then Architectural Digest, Washington Post, and like a bunch of other, uh, you know, newspapers did like stories that were walkthroughs of his house because his house is great, you know, which is unsurprising. It's like filled with like skeletons and scary dolls. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure you're shocked to hear that from this guy, you know. From Danny Elfman? No way. For our listeners that might not like be that familiar with him, he's the composer of all of Tim Burton's movies. He wrote all the music and sang for Nightmare Before Christmas. He's like he a spooky man. Yeah, he did the theme for The Simpsons. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, he's great. Uh, the former lead singer songwriter of one of the greatest bands of all time, Oingo Boingo. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So, uh, you know, he had this house on the market and guess who moved in, Kate? Guess who moved into his house? Oh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa? I yeah. love this. Yeah, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa moved in, which to me feels like a perfect match and also like oh. a generational handing of the cho- of the torch from like one total geek spooky man to another total geek spooky man. So, yeah, so now- I love it. Him and his partner are going to live in Danny Elfman's old scary house, which has, I just want to, because this is a good picture to paint in the minds of our listeners. It has a uh, ballroom that also serves as a screening room uh, where Mm -hmm. Danny and Bridget used to have parties. It also, you know, has a downstairs recording studio. I don't know if they're still going to use it for that purpose. But the ballroom, I just imagine all of the cast of Riverdale when it's safe assembling at this ballroom for parties and stuff. And that's kind of really fun. Do you think it's haunted? Danny has said that he thinks that it's probably haunted. Yeah. That he thinks that the, that the mansion is haunted and I need to look into it again. I can't remember, but it was owned by like an interesting Hollywood movie person before Danny owned it. Uh, Yeah. You know, and it, but it's a, it was built in the twenties, the house. which is so cool and so old Hollywood. I just love it. And if I can't move in there, which I was hoping that maybe somehow I'd come into millions upon millions of dollars so that I could buy it. You know, if I can't live there, if Roberta Aguirre-Sacasa lives there, I'm cool with it, you know? Yeah. So anyway, that's the news. (laughs) Let's get into season five, episode one, Climax. Climax, baby. Why was it named Climax? What's... It is a 2018 French and Belgian film about a party of dancers who get real confused and kind of lose their minds after doing LSD. And I did realize that the director of this also directed Enter the Void, which explained a lot about the movie, in my opinion. Awesome. Got it. Okay. Did you see Climax? 
No. And I, I only see I remember part when, of Enter the Void. And I was like, nope. I remember when Climax came out. So I guess it relates to that really wonderful rave scene that was in this, in this I think episode. It, prom at the end. And prom as well. Yeah, the dancer. I think it was yeah. more a reference to prom. Yeah. Overall, how did you feel about this episode? I liked it. There were several laugh out loud moments that I think were supposed to be funny, which is rare. Yes, um, like fun and yeah. Yeah, I thought that it was a good, thought it was really strong. It felt yeah. like, you know, obviously, I, I, probably all our listeners already know this, but this wasn't meant to be the season premiere of the show. This mm -hmm. is the first new episode that we've gotten because the last three episodes of season four were not shot due to the pandemic. Uh, so we're seeing them now because they were able to shoot them in a safe manner and tag them along with season five. So we're seeing these three episodes, which are going to wrap up everything from the last season. And then we're going to have a time jump of seven years. And then season five is going to start in earnest. But that being said, like, it felt like a really strong episode. It didn't totally feel like a like a season premiere. It was a great example of all the characters like behaving properly, you know, and I like that. Behaving properly, but not necessarily in character. I thought they were pretty in character. Uh, I think I've, we'll talk about it when we get there. There was some stuff where I was like, hoodly. Yeah, yeah, we will see. But they were acting like teenagers. And that they, was nice. Yes, they were. They were all acting like teenagers, which was appropriate. You know, yeah. like it when they do that. Good for them, you know, <laughs> to act like teenagers. So, yeah. So let's get into it here. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I felt the first scene was very funny because we had like, you know, last season on Riverdale. And then the first few scenes were like really heavy, heavy handed recap, recap through conversation. Which I kind of appreciated, to be honest. <laughs> a little bit. Like, because I, I mean, there was the last week on Riverdale that the episode started with, so that I wouldn't have needed that. But if I didn't have that, like if I were watching on Netflix or something, that yeah. would have been like really helpful. But also it was very funny. Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> and then there was all coming straight out of that. So because they were constantly revealing these like heavy hits, they had that like thud background noise. The like when something really serious happens, they're like, Phew. and it started happening so much that it felt like a very special episode of like clone high description. Yes. Where it's just like hit after hit after hit after hit. And it was fantastic. Clone high, which I started watching and I love by the way. Thank God. I know fucking finally, I know. I'm glad you got it right. Yeah, it's 20 years after I watched it. Yes, I'm aware, I'm aware. <laughs> They're bringing it back. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah. But Go yeah, it. it's that we get the thud after Veronica finds the song and Archie's like, it's a bad song. And I'm like, ugh. So this is, yeah, I mean, this is, this is really tricky. Uh, and during this entire plot line, like I actually appreciate Archie's honesty. He ends up like, mm -hmm. you know, really being very forthright and respectful with Veronica. But it is yeah. also like, uh, yeah, so he wrote a song. He wrote a song for Betty and then Veronica ends up co-opting it. And I know I'm mm -hmm. getting into, you know, a little much, but like songs, songs can change their meaning and adjust, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. 
but I but I do like that we're getting into Archie as songwriter again because I do like this plot line, you know. And this is a better song that he's historically written. You know, I I was going to I ended up doing some research into other aspects of the episode, which we'll get into. But I was actually Mm going to look into who wrote this song because this is so superior to anything that we've heard so far that's original from the show and i really yeah. appreciate it it is it's yeah. an actual it real well, upgrade well written nice song yeah yeah um the next scene i really loved where veronica's parents said something to reveal and she's like oh are you chaperoning prom and they're like oh yeah but that's not <laughs> just like a real throwaway that like of course her parents are chaperoning prom but like we don't even need to mention it because of course they are yes yes and that that isn't like that's not incredibly important, which is really, really, really fun. And then we get the big plot reveal that Hiram is beating this disease. And I have a big theory as to, it feels like it's happening very quickly and very aggressively. And I have a big theory as to why that's happening. Do you think it's steroids? Oh, I mean, I mean... If that ends up, if this ends up being a steroid scandal plotline, that's fine. Uh-huh. I think that it's because Marisol Nichols is leaving the show. You know, both her and um, Skeet Ulrich have agreed to do the last three episodes of what would have been season four. Then they're leaving. Then apparently they're going to stay in touch and come back once in a while as needed, the two of them. Mm-hmm. But I think that they need for the Veronica plot lines, Veronica to have a functioning parent and they don't mm-hmm. want to have moving into season five, it being a whole bunch of Hiram in a hospital bed. So yeah. they are instead, you know, doing away with this plot line altogether. That's what I think is happening. Yeah. And I will say, I'm sitting here saying, I think it's steroids because I think that would be the actual treatment for the mystery disease he has. Sure, and for, I for, for, say- for, for yeah for secret disease yeah yeah it's actually probably unlikely that that is what's happening because uh that would be realistic that's <laughs> right exactly and then we see that what his new workout regimen is beating bitches up who was he beating up i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't sure if maybe i forgot something me too <laughs> i was like what what's he doing who's he I have no idea. Yeah, so regular listeners, if you knew who he was beating up, feel free to write to us, you know, on Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Tell us who he was beating up. Yeah, you know, follow us at, uh, you know, XOXO Riverpod. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Please. Big reveal of a big comeback character here in a sick bolo tie. Um. We yes. Mr. Oh, Weatherby. my gosh. Mr. Weatherby was dressed so well. I know. Uh, really 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 well uh totally agreed on that i'm just writing down who was he beating up because i want to tweet it <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah i think that's a great thing to interact with our people that like you know chat with us about <laughs> yeah make sure you add like 30 hashtags so we can spin up some people who are mad at the dumb idiot adults <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i'll hashtag it all to hell anyway yes mr weatherby and then Mr. Weatherby has a completely inappropriate interaction with a minor in which mm-hmm. Betty says, are you okay? 
And his response is, you know, well, I wake up some nights screaming, but I'm okay otherwise. And it's like, don't fucking talk to, you know, Betty, whose father is a serial killer about this. This is not, yeah. this is not your role with Betty. Thank you, Mr. Weatherby. Yeah, I understand that, like, because he saw her when he was leaving the farm. And mm -hmm. so he feels like he has that relationship, but he needs to just get past that. Yeah, he needs to understand boundaries when he's now mm -hmm. the principal again out of school, you know, mm -hmm. for three episodes and then we'll never see or hear from him ever again. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yes, go for it. <laughs> no, you go, because I think we're both going in the same way. I mean, then we get to this scene with Archie and the recruiter mm -hmm. and big fucking surprise. Uh, there's only one spot at the Naval Academy. Only one spot left. I know, which is totally how recruitment works. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there's one spot, you know, and they've even done this kind of on the show before, you know, yeah. with there being one spot. That was the whole uh, Betty and, and Jughead thing. As right well. for Yale. Yeah, well, there's yeah. only one spot at Yale. Oh no. So yeah, what do they and... need to do? They need to have a boxing match to decide, which there is so much cuckoo bananas. So much in the scene, too, because it's Veronica is talking to the commandant and Archie's just like trailing behind like a little puppy. Yep. And like I'm not in naval admissions, but if that's someone's like MO, I'd be like like you need your mommy to help hand your hand hold your hand and do this like absolutely this is not cool. like is veronica course, gonna go to naval academy with you no that's not the plan yeah and of course she's so excited for them to fight physically for the position against her bff katie Keene's boyfriend yes so <laughs> i was thinking about this right before we got on and i really really in these scenes feel for Cami Mendez that she now in two separate episodes has had to transmit that this is a character from Katie Keene, which mm -hmm. means that we should be watching Katie Keene, a show, right, but we can't. <laughs> a show that by the time this episode was filmed had been super canceled, <laughs> super canceled. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and no, no offense against that character, K.O. Kelly, that actor, he was fine. Not a problem in yeah. this episode, but like, wow, we really needed to be reminded that this is another Katie Keene crossover, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a question for you. Cause I tried to Google it. Does, what does K.O. stand for? Do you know? I think it stands for knockout. <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus christ because he's a he's a boxer however this is a great time to talk about him i did a little bit of research into ko kelly a character i was not familiar with before this episode and mm -hmm. he is a character who is canonically in the comics katie Keene's boyfriend right however he's only appeared in 17 issues over like his 45 50 year history as a character so he's not like mm -hmm. a major comics character but that's okay that just means that the writers can sort of do with them do with him what they want without me getting pissed off about it you know me being like an, an like an unreasonable geek so that's fine also you would you know? never know because we don't watch katie keen <laughs> that is true i mean all i know is what he did in this episode which was be a boxer which seems to be what he does which is fine Yep. Um, you know, yep. he's also in the comics, he's he's Irish. 
So that's kind of creepily stereotypical. He's a creepy stereotypical Irish from Irish Queens. Boxer. Yeah, Irish boxer from Queens. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. We both Googled. Um, <laughs> we sure did. So, but we Googled so you didn't have to because you, yeah. my dear listener, uh, listens, you know, is an audio learner instead of a visual learner, which is why you listen to us as opposed to us. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> so you're welcome. So we do. So the next scene is like so, such like, levity and like airy like niceness that I it's like whiplash in this episode going from like Betty and Jughead snuff film to like Cheryl's gonna be prom queen and it was so back and forth that like I don't know that they have enough content to make that two separate episodes but is also wild and feels very like they know there's not enough so they had to jam them together it's very Riverdale. and I should say Cheryl's running for prom person Yes, which is awesome, you know, and definitely, yeah. And Cheryl is given really great stuff to do in this episode, which just Mm -hmm. makes her super charming, which is great. Yeah. Uh, You know, like this is certainly a great episode, you know, for the character uh, and for Madeline, like for sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, also written very sympathetically as well, uh, which I like, I like for Cheryl. I will say that, all the prom details were very 1990s team rom-com. Yes. In a way I appreciated this, like taking prom queen really seriously thing and like running him away from the table to sign up like Tracy Flick. Yes. Like, yes. Just, and then the, we'll get to the music at prom, but. Yeah. Major, delightful. major fucking needle drops. Yeah. 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 Major. Absolutely. But uh, this scene really set up that it was like 1998 where we're going to live forever. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Which was great. Uh, You know, and Tony wants to be Serpent Queen again, which I hope is a seed planted that gets developed over the course of what's going to happen this season and like, you know, slash next, just because I I wouldn't mind seeing Tony in that position again and having some plot lines Mm -hmm. around centered around that. And then, you know, something that is interesting is that the plot line around the prom kings and queens are only centered around gay couples, which yes. I think is pretty cool, you know, and pretty which progressive. Which I think is also, because I was thinking about it, like Cheryl and Tony are at the sign-up table and she runs Kevin off. And it's like, is she running everyone who's running off? And then I was like, she sees Ke- Kevin and Fangs as like a real competition because they're running under the same platform kind of. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I I would think that it's more, though just the way I interpreted it, I think you feeling like your interpretation of it is is like a really valid interpretation. I just kind of thought that it was the show trying to say that like uh, their sexuality isn't even an issue regarding this conflict, that it's like mm-hmm. past that. And it's just about the characters and their wants and needs, you know, yeah. more than anything. But yeah. If that's but, you know. the case, that's a fair interpretation, interpretation as well. But if I were whoever's running prom committee, and I saw that only two people were nominated. I'd be a little suspicious. Uh, agreed. <laughs> yeah, but it's Cheryl too. So if you're running the prom committee, you'd probably be like, I know what happened here. Yeah, this <laughs> is pretty straightforward. Cheryl. Yeah, like, she, you know, did she threaten someone with a bow and arrow? Probably, you know? Like, yeah. Anyway. You'd be uh, like, I, you know, I shouldn't have put Cheryl in charge of this. That's on me. Just, just before we get to the act break, just because we 
haven't talked about it yet. Um, how do we feel about Betty Jughead sleuthsters in this episode so far? They're trying to figure out where these films are originating from. This is really kind of the driving plot line of the episode, just because we haven't gotten to it yet. There is some fun stuff, I feel, with this yeah. plot line. Um, yeah, I feel like it started to move forward a little bit more. It's felt very stagnant. Like, it's just, I mean, more videos that are, like, in theory escalating, but it's still, like, a fourth and fifth beat of, like, the same premise. I think it's what and you said. Thing- I, I, I think it's what you said earlier about how heavy on recaps this first act was. It felt mm-hmm. like the Betty and Jughead sequence was a lot of recapping so that we remember, okay, there's these scary videos, they're dangerous. Where are they at in their investigation? But during it, just cause it was really fun. Oh no, never mind. Oh no, 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 yes. So in the first sequence, we learn that the videos are coming from the Blue Velvet video store, which is mm-hmm. super fun. Betty is freaked out that perhaps the B and V, you know, uh, uh, abbreviation oh, stands for Betty yeah. and Veronica. And mm-hmm. if that doesn't come back, then it's a lost opportunity. I hope that it does have something to do with them. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they call David, who runs the video store, uh, a, a crypt keeper. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to, to just for people that don't know, that's a reference very specifically to the horror anthology show and comic Tales from the Crypt. Uh, which is just a really fun reference. Like that's, you know, Crypt Keeper isn't like part of the vernacular when it doesn't refer to the Crypt Keeper, who is like a yeah. fun puppet host character. <laughs> right. Who's like really creepy from Tales yeah. from the Crypt. So yeah, just yeah. want to bring that up. Cool. Yeah. So that's the first act. <laughs> yeah. So the second act has like Veronica and Archie having like a really dramatic scene that's like, foreshadowing but also just felt like it was it didn't need to be there sure <laughs> well it, it didn't need to be there because we learned some really big specifics about ko kelly you know i don't and, even remember uh, i was really this scene was where i was really caught up on what does ko stand for it's just it's just ko kelly coming and us learning that he's going to stay with archie and that they're going to show oh, him right. a good time and that you know they're being very uh thoughtful and sweet yeah amenable to ko kelly considering that there's the stakes are really high which just Mm -hmm. shows how mature and lovely archie and veronica have become you know this is an archie being like a little shithead when it comes to being in competition with ko kelly you know which he certainly has been in the past with other stuff like this which is great Mm -hmm. and then we learn that brett is in jail right which Um, was sort of a surprise right a couple things about this yes which is so for, so first of all, Jughead says that his friend Warbaby is in prison too. Who is Warbaby again? I think Warbaby is just a random serpent. That's okay. who I think Warbaby is, who happens to be in jail. <laughs> so Jughead can use it to his advantage, you know? Yeah, I feel like we've heard it before, but maybe just in a like real passing way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also I think that Brett's a real red herring. I think that was the purpose of this. I think it's to throw him off of throw everyone off of chip scent definitely definitely yes because the scene made it feel plausible that brett was involved but we're still getting video so obviously it's not brett i didn't totally interpret it as being that brett was directly involved i interpreted it as being 
that they knew that Brett had supplied videos in the past and was part of this sort of illicit video world, you know? I think that's what Betty and Jughead saw, but I felt like it was to the audience. It was supposed to be like, sure. Brett could be. Yeah, I don't think Brett's involved. And I, I don't think no, if you're watching this and you think Brett's involved, I, an expert, because I have a podcast, I'm going to say, no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 you're wrong. Yeah, no, 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 don't get fooled by the writing. Brett's not involved. <laughs> yes. Zaddy's back. Oh, yes. Before we get to Zaddy, yes, okay. I know, love him to bits. I just want to point out that they, Brett points them in the direction of what are called underground immersive red band screenings. Yes. And this whole concept of like a creepy underground cinema rave where mm -hmm. the world of illicit film and like teen partying uh, all crosses over with each other in this way is mm -hmm. one of the most Riverdale concepts we've come across in the history of the show. And yeah. in my opinion is fucking awesome. I love this. I'm so here for this. <laughs> it's very like them like going through the maze of, we'll get to it, but it just, it was very like on brand in a way they haven't been in a while. Yes, it sort of deals with the plot of plot points of the show coming back around in a way that's like somewhat metatextual. And then mm -hmm. also them playing with the fact that these are well-known fictional characters coming back as well in kind of a very fun metatextual mm -hmm. way. And I just thought that that was, we haven't seen that from the show in a long while. And I thought that this was yeah. really refreshing. I, I was super into it. Yeah. So yeah. So we're so, talking about Zaddy now? Zaddy, yes. I'm so sorry to derail us. I'm sorry. It's quite all right. We got this scene where Zaddy's around and he's like, you know what we got to do? And we got a little strong boy contest going. <laughs> I loved the strong boy contest. I mean, I, I just love to watch boys do push-ups. I'm sorry. I'm into it. It's also there. So Archie wins and then they're in the sauna. At first of all, we get the line, your ass is grass, which is written straight from like pulled out of 1952. Yes. Um, oh boy. But like right away Kale's like so you have more endurance but not necessarily strength and I'm like he's right that wasn't like any test of strength like Archie set it up to be mm -hmm. absolutely and and also like it kind of is reductive when it comes to what is important with boxing not that I'm uh -huh. a professed boxing expert but yeah endurance is important strength is important strategy is important there's a lot that goes into winning a boxing match you know it's yeah. a it's a it's an interesting and complex sport. So it's like, okay, cool. Now we've learned that Archie can do more pull-ups, um, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, but then they, yeah. they had a great scene that just, I just feel like this was like, like excessive beef, beefcake time. Cause we got this it whole, really was. yeah, like we got this whole montage of them doing workout stuff, which once again, I'm not complaining. And then we got an excessive scene of them in the steam room, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, I know that KJ has spoken to them about he wanted to reduce his number of shirtless appearances because it's so difficult to maintain in this season. And I'm wondering mm -hmm. if this is maybe KJ's shirtless farewell tour a little bit. Oh, we're going to see a little less once there's the time jump, you know? 
Yeah, maybe less, but we still get some because they've released some pictures. Yes, totally. Yeah, I'm sure we're still going to get it. But, you know, if any of the actors that are like the shirtless boys on the show have to starve themselves a little less, I'm all for it because it's hard and awful. You know, it's hard. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah. um, So the next scene has one of my favorite lines from the episode is Betty and Jughead are talking to each other in the office for the blue and gold. And Betty says, I know this is Riverdale, but where do we get a snuff film? And I love it. So self-aware, so funny. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then and then we get, you know, the fact that they need a brute and a scream queen, which is uh-huh. also just really fun and self-aware. And then the brute and scream queen end up being Cheryl in a wig looking so fucking great. And I have to say the scene where they ask Cheryl to do it, she's like, won't help. And it's like very like light and like, I get it, but I won't help. And then they're like, it's not a real snuff film. And she's like, oh, okay. But she was like, not concerned when she thought it was a real snuff film. She just wasn't going to be involved. Yes. Yes. She was like, I'm not interested in murdering someone this time, but thanks so much. You know, good luck. Good luck with your project. Yeah. Yeah. Best wishes. But then she realizes it's not real and she gets a wig. (laughs) i'm not interested in being a murderer this time but best wishes cheryl blossom (laughs) anyway good luck in all future endeavors exactly but um then we get uh reggie in In a real laugh out loud moment personally yeah in an insane gimp mask insane (laughs) so funny yeah thanks riverdale thanks for putting reggie mantle a 70-year-old comic book character in a gimp mask where he never needed to be. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. It was it was such a nice beat on this weird, why is everyone so okay with making a snuff film thing? I could not agree more. I, th- I thought it was a delight. Absolutely. Because also, like, I think they maybe told Cheryl, like, what was going on and why they wanted to do it. But, like, I get the feeling they didn't even tell Reggie. And he was just like, yeah, this sounds fun. Okay. Yeah, Reggie was like, I'll help. I'm helpful well, sometimes. Is this for your film class? Sounds great. Yeah, totally. Which is also nice for Reggie. Instead of yeah. it being a whole fucking thing where he's like, well, what's in it for me? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm into this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is great. Anyway. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, we get to... You know, after the act break, we get this whole uh, we get this whole musical number, which is you know Veronica singing right the song. at La Bonne Nuit at La Bonne Nuit, right. and just props to we already mentioned it's a good song, which is great. It's very emotionally mm. effective, and they don't milk it in a crummy way that a lot of the musical numbers do on the show. It's like. It's not that long, which I also thought was like, great, you know? (laughs) It was long enough to see her like emotionally with Archie and then like Betty mad at Archie and Archie just trying to like put the blinders on and then like it was done. Yeah, like it wasn't like all like five fucking verses of Mad World for no reason. Do you know what I mean by that? Like- Yeah, no, it served its purpose. They were in and out. Yeah, I was into it. Um, And I'm wondering- we we're pretty hard on the musical numbers on this show, understandably so. Mm-hmm. Do you think if they were more like this, we'd be okay with there being more of them? Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it also wasn't like sometimes when they perform, you're like, why are they even giving a performance? And this was like a her, like, this is how she reaches out to Archie. 
and it's using like a subcontext. It reminds me, have you watched Ted Lasso yet? I haven't. I'm I, it's it's on my list. Like I'm sorry I haven't watched it yet. Like yeah, I, you, I personally mean, apologize on, to you. You're only on Clone High so far and that aired in 2000. Dude, um, I'm also watching through Community and okay. I'm and I'm finishing, not that our listeners need to know this but they do. I am closer than I've ever been ever to getting caught up with Always Sunny. So you need to be very proud Great. of me. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I will say Clone High created by Bill Lawrence, who is also the creator of Ted Lasso. I'm aware of but, this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. For the listeners at home. Uh, yes. There's a, the- there's a karaoke scene in Ted Lasso that has like clips of songs because they don't do the whole thing. There's one song that they have a little bit more of, but the songs are very specifically used. They move the plot forward it involves more than one character and one plot line, just like getting it in together. And it's really tight and well done. And usually like I hate musical numbers. And like part of it is like, we have this one actor who's a really good singer, which I also hate when they like make good singing actors sing. But it was so like in context because they also had people singing badly because karaoke mm-hmm. that like it worked really well. And I could see more of that and be okay with it. And I think it's similar to this. I think you're right. I think that's a good moment to highlight. Uh, also, it just reminds me too, I've been thinking about this a lot because it was just announced. And this is totally a TV show that Riverdale fans should watch if they've never seen it. Mm-hmm. On Hulu, starting next week, they're releasing the entire only season of Freaks and Geeks, which is Ooh, one of the best- on and off. Yes, however, yeah. however, this version of it is going to keep all of the original musical cues, which are oh. another, which are another, really another character in the show. And yeah. there is a prom sequence in the first episode of that show where the entire sequence is set to Come Sail Away by Styx. And it plays mm-hmm. through the entire song and the events at the prom happen to the song. And it is mm-hmm. a masterpiece. It's one of the best scenes yeah. in any TV show ever. Um, yeah. So more like that, I'd love for Riverdale to, to try something like that on the show. Yeah, I think yeah. we've diffused out of this is that generally when there's a song on Riverdale, it's like singing Mad World is like, it's only moving Betty's plot forward. Yes. Or Bittersweet Symphony is only moving Veronica forward, whereas this hit three characters. Like, it moved a lot of plot. Good call. Yeah. So it helps a lot. Yeah. It sort of became a focal point for all of these yeah. different characters. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It was not focused on, like, one person singing pretty. It was, like, someone happened to be a good singer so they could get this, like, plot going. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we, we really uh, nailed that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So good for us. <laughs> took us long enough to get there so um into uh tony and 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 cheryl and this yeah. difficulty here where cheryl wants everybody to have dinner before the prom and mm-hmm. you know this is a plot that i am into them tackling in this way this is a big problem for queer kids is very often yeah. There's a say, you know, one family's cooler with it than the other family. And this is a huge mm-hmm. source of pain for young, young queer people. And I'm happy yeah. to, for it to be explored on the show. And I think now that I'm thinking about it now, Cheryl proposed they have their whole families. That's three people. And it's all grandparents. 
That is correct. Yeah. Because of their backgrounds. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Everybody else is out of their lives in terms right. of. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's Nana Rose and yep. Graham or Nana. They call her, she calls her Nana as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Tony calls her grandmother yep. Nana. And that's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She might have a grandfather who we didn't see. No, we don't know about, we don't know about him. That's correct. We don't know about I him. I think we've seen him in the past. Oh, really? In that one yeah. episode that like delved into Cheryl's like background? No, I a, mean Tony. A, oh, sorry. Yeah, that's Tony right. Graham. Tony. Yes. The one that delved yeah. into Tony's background. Sorry. As a, uh, uh, you know, as a, as a, a First Nations person. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Which we'll get into because there's like a real aggression that it was not on purpose, but needs to be called out later in the episode. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. Um, so I did, there was a lot in the scene with Archie and KO in Archie's room. Yes. Uh, first and foremost, Veronica made a big deal about them sleeping at the gym and they are not. No, they're in Archie's room. Yeah. They're in his room. And but there's a great sentence where yes. Archie says he really missed the boat on college. So he's going to go to the Naval Academy and yep. I thought it was great. Great job, Arch. Absolutely. Good writing there. Yep. Great. Great I wordplay. Like, I really like how much Archie uses the term bro when he talks to KO in this entire episode because it just shows that Archie in his own little way is just trying to be friendly with KO, which is nice. And I think, yeah, KO didn't seem hostile back. It seems like they're both like annoyed that they have to do this for the spot. Absolutely. And I also would say that about this scene that I really liked, that's very silly, but is something I liked. I liked seeing them have a little sleepover because it just <laughs> reminds us that they're teenagers. And yep. it reminded me of in the first season, there are several episodes where Jughead is staying over with Archie and basically mm -hmm. having a teenage sleepover at his house. And that yep. to me is so much part of the teenage experience that mm -hmm. just isn't like really done on the show a lot when like I was over at friends houses all the time and like really big formative sort of life things happened there and I think that's something the show yeah. doesn't always get right so I was happy to see that you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. anyway <laughs> the next scene is an iconic Kevin line where he is pulled into the bloom gold with Betty and Jughead and they're like you know we need help because Frank recognizes Jughead and we need you to help us deliver the snuff film and he says you had me at snuff film which is another character on the show not even questioning it yes and it's just great Riverdale fun like this is really so fun. fun this is really fun like, absolutely Kevin just wants to be part of the gang did you laugh out loud during that because I certainly did I think I I chuckled a little in this because the times when I did laugh out loud, I wrote LOL to remind myself. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. This was not one of them, but I did really, really like it. Then we get to the sequence with Tony and her Nana. Where yes. it turns out that her Nana is not being homophobic. Mm -hmm. It's that her Nana is has bad blood with the Blossoms. Yes. Understandable, because the Blossoms were in the past the oppressor, for sure. Yeah, because I really want to say is that, so she says, you know, I don't like them because I stole her land. And 
I understand Tony's instinct that like Cheryl has nothing to do with that, but she said that stealing native land is ancient history and it's not. Yes. Yes. That needs to be addressed. It is not at all. It's crummy writing on the show. Uh, Yeah. And that's something, you know, this show, this is such a typical example of this show trying to be current. Mm-hmm. but not really hiring the right advisors or writing staff to make mm-hmm. it work properly. Um, right. You know, this has been two episodes now in the course of there being now over a hundred episodes of the show mm-hmm. that have been like, you know, oh, let's get into some, you know, Native American issues basically, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's like, okay, but you know, do it properly. Like let's, let's actually educate the people watching the show about this kind of shit. Like there's really fabulous First Nations writers in Hollywood that could be hired for this show yes. if they really want to do it properly. Yeah. And that would be awesome. I'd, I'd love to see that on this show. Yeah. And oh my God, this pen has a red side. Um, <laughs> I think that they, even like they didn't need to get into it, but it was, actively against what they should be saying yeah you know it'd be one thing to leave it out but to like include it negatively i think was not yeah it's typical it's typical riverdale shit you know like Mm -hmm. this is same old same old you know it's Mm -hmm. like it's like yeah we want to play in the sandbox but we don't necessarily want to um you know, uh, do it properly. Like this is the same with yeah. like how it it's played with mass incarceration issues, prison state mm-hmm. issues, um, which I always appreciate them bringing up because I like that it's it makes the world so much more real and so much more a, a world that we are living in and and things that we're thinking about as you know currently or or dealing with head on for probably a lot of the viewers of the show. But I'd like it to be you know, a little more grounded in those. It would be great if this show was a little smarter with that kind of stuff. If this yep. is, if this show is as smart with that as it is with its relationship with pop culture and, and like sort of like media history, that would be kind of incredible for the show. Yeah, because it doesn't have to be an after school special. They just need to be more uh, conscious of what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, it, this all these plot lines could be written in a super exciting uh and vibrant and, and active way yeah like yeah. like what would make it after school special is if it becomes preachy and sort of passive which is sort mm-hmm. of what they're doing actually by being like we're yeah. going to devote one scene to this and it's not going to be handled well and it's going to like sort of bring up this issue you know yeah yeah so next scene the video store yes. Main yeah. thing I just want to say about the the video store about the blue velvet store is I'm just really happy it's still part of the plot, mm-hmm. mainly because I think that set is so cool. I love the set. I think that yeah. X, they did such a good job. I love the posters they chose. I think it's just real. I think it's real dope. Uh, yeah. And then they show the the fake snuff film. It's oh, obviously it's very fake. fake. Yes. Yeah. So then Betty has actually brought video of her father in his, his little origin Black Hood film, which we haven't seen in a while. Right. Yeah. It's, I think it was, I mean, end of season two, we saw this. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it was, I was unsure if they knew, like if they 
kind of knew that he was going to call them on the snuff film being fake so that it would look make this look better or if they like were really actually hoping the snuff film would work i think that betty had a plan b and the rest of them didn't and i think that it does make sense that betty would keep this plan a secret from jughead because jughead Mm -hmm. would be concerned about how psychologically devastating this would be for betty and Betty yeah. is in very in character for her, just trying to power through all that trauma and pain, mm-hmm. which, yeah. you know, is brought up again in this episode a little later. So, yeah. Right. So, so that's, I thought that was an interesting plot, plot device there. Yeah. Uh, and Betty secures the invite to the quote film festival slash rave. Yes. Which I want to go to so badly. Uh, mm-hmm. Not totally into the snuff film aspect of it, but I'm into the rest of it. I totally want to yeah. go to a rave. Maybe it's because I'm so like punch punchy on quarantine at this point. But that party yeah. to me looks like the best party literally ever to me. We'll get there. There was a specific art exhibit I went to once that this reminds me greatly of. That's mm-hmm. kind of funny. That's awesome. Okay. We will talk yeah. about it. Okay. Um, so then we get to the boxing match. Right. Well, first of all, I want to say there's a scene, a quick scene. Betty's so good in this episode. Just throwing it out there. I really liked Betty in this episode. Um, Yeah. Oh, 100%. She was great. Absolutely. Yeah. But so this fight is going back and forth Mm -hmm. with Jughead and Betty at the rave. Yeah. The concurrent action motif. Yeah. Yeah. And the punch sound effects were so funny. Yes, the punch sound effects were real extra, definitely. Yeah, they were something, I did write LOL for this one. Yes, definitely, definitely. But I did think that the actual boxing sequence was somewhat well choreographed in terms of yes. like fight choreography compared to other fight scenes we've seen on the show in the past. This was quite yes. exciting and I thought it was shot quite well as well. I liked this, yeah. Yeah, uh, and yeah, back and, and, at the rave. Yeah, the film yeah, society. Yeah, we see clips of stuff we haven't seen in a while. We see the, well, we see the tickling video. Yeah. What else did we see? What was that video at the tree? I couldn't remember what that was. It's the prep, it's some, Jughead's getting beat up by the preppies, I think. Got it. Okay, got it. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was in there. But, so they come to the room where, and this is like the art exhibit I saw. So in this room, it has the people in the creepy masks and the fake snuff films are being projected onto all the walls. Mm-hmm. And this reminds me, when I went to Sundance in 2011, James Franco had an immersive art exhibit. Great. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, please. <laughs> okay. So what it was, was there was a couch in the middle of the room and you sat in it. So you were like part of it. And what was being projected on the walls was um, three, Three's Company uh-huh. with n- narration as it like by James Franco, like it was like noir. Oh my God. It's so, it was so James, like I went because I was like, this has got to be very James Franco. Like that's exactly what I would expect from James Franco. Yes. But it reminded me so much of that. And I feel it's probably not actually referenced to that. Uh, I went to the, there was like no one there either when I went, like it's an art exhibit for four people. But um, I feel like this was sort of, um, crossover between I think that like what they drew from was definitely video art and mm-hmm. different video art installations and then also like it felt a little sleep no more as well 
you know, yes. uh, which is like a walkthrough theater piece that's been really popular in New York now for like seven, eight years. Um, yeah. Where everybody wears masks, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but I thought that like, I thought the look and feel of this for the show was really effective. And yeah. I was I was really into it. And I like how it's sort of brought together this narrative of all the different times that the characters have been filmed sort of into mm -hmm. one kind of climactic moment. That was and cool. Intercut intercut too with the punches which like seeing these films again seeing like Jughead seeing himself get beat up and like Betty seeing her father be a serial killer is and like, also the Betty Jughead sex tape as well was in there ponytail right. playmate Pony yeah yeah mm -hmm. just yep yeah to the gut yep psychological punches physical punches absolutely yep. yeah uh totally uh yeah so Betty does get recognized yes yes she does yes yeah. Because in pretty like typical Riverdale fashion, they're the only ones not wearing masks. Like, well, at first, because who do they run into? They run into Jelly Bean! Jelly Beans at the Rave. Yeah, Jelly Beans at the Rave, which is a little far fetched, but you know, it happens. <laughs> yeah. And it's like flashing lights and like bodies. It's very ravey it's there's and like trying to get through a chase scene in like a rave hallway is almost like a tr trope at this point very much so like oh I my god like, yeah I, i've seen so many times where there's like glow-in-the-dark paint and flashing lights and people on drugs but like there's an intense chase going through it yeah if there's a chase there's gonna be or if there's a rave there's gonna be a chase in like anything you watch yes definitely and, but they catch up to jelly bean somewhat quickly much to the credit of uh -huh. the show and yeah. I loved that very quickly, Jughead was like, you're not in trouble. And I yes. really liked that, that this didn't end up mm -hmm. being some bullshit plot line where Jughead was like, I'm going to tell dad, like, fuck off. Like, I loved that, yeah. that it's that they have and, a better relationship than that, you know, and a more respectful yeah, one. And yeah. I think it was used to, so he asked Jelly Bean how she heard from it. And she heard from like her set, her friend from soccer's brother. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks too to like who the people are that go to this which is just people like if this isn't like some depraved like inner circle sex ring it's just like people normal people are getting invited to this yes absolutely yeah like this is people are being recruited for this thing that's quite illicit from all and, these different sources right and, and it's, the jelly it's, bean you know, it's not, it's still not a good party. It's, it's a scary party. I would say mainly because a lot of the films were made without anybody's consent. And that yeah, makes it, uh, uh, it makes it a place where no one should be, you know? Yeah. Jelly beans not stopped at the door. They were like, it's cool that this 14 year old's coming in. Yeah. And there's like sex happening at the party. We see it once in one corner, you know, at least like heavy yeah. making out, which I just sort of leapt to it being like, oh yeah, like there's people in like dark corners of this party, like having sex and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so. So back to the boxing match. Yes. And I'm like, why are they judging this? KO clearly won. And then yep. I was right. Yeah. KO wins. And then yep. this is the only part of the episode where I'm like, this is, this is stupid. This is a plot driving, uncharacteristic thing where the recruiter is so profesh and gracious and is like, I would love to see what we can do for you in the fall, Archie, which mm -hmm. is 
a completely reasonable thing to say. And Archie's like, right. I don't want to go to your dumb school anymore. And it's like, fuck off, but he, Archie. You know. But at the same time, they just put him through a boxing match. That is a good like, point. Yes. He, yes. Like, I don't blame him. I was like, yeah, you should be mad at them. But they like, put you through this boxing match and then we're like, maybe we'll talk to you in the fall. That is fair. I mean, I guess it's like Archie is a sore loser for me. I'm like, it's something I'd like the character to shed, but we have seen from him before. But definitely, yeah. I agree. The entire boxing match is bullshit. So yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I think if he had been this angry before the boxing match, it would have played a little better mm-hmm. because he's right. He's right to be mad about it. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. He's right to be mad. It's a bad, stupid thing to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Veronica feels sorry for her sad boyfriend. So she's like, you know, we don't have to go to prom, but listen, it's a teen drama. They got to go to prom, baby. Veronica's done a lot of putting herself through grossness for Archie this episode. I just want to point out in the first scene, she kisses him and he's like so disgustingly sweaty. And then in this scene, she kisses him and his face is so bloody and they haven't even cleaned off his face yet. Poor Veronica. Veronica deserves to kiss a clean boyfriend. (laughs) Yeah, nice clean boy. Yeah, totally. Uh, And then we get to the prom. Yes. And this scene Um, is With all the dress reveals, which I love. The clothes in this sequence are so great. Oh my God, they all look so good. (laughs) They all look so good. Tony's did not look like a prom dress. It was a beautiful dress. It didn't feel promy and not very like untraditional feeling it, it just it was just like a different vibe yeah. yes but everyone else was in like beautiful prom gowns that are like a little bit puffy at the bottom with like Agreed. a little bit of glitter on yeah i thought that uh which was your favorite for you um i think i'd have to look again but i think betty's me too me too betty yeah like hands down that yeah. i couldn't believe how gorgeous lily reinhardt with looked her in that dress with her beautiful she's all that descent on the staircase yeah yeah and just just the cut of the dress and the colors on her it was absolutely stunning i could not believe yeah absolutely she looked great yeah Um, and the boys look nice in their tuxes as well (laughs) yeah and a lot happens over so uh archie and veronica with all their parents archie's Mm -hmm. offered the job of deputy mayor this is insane like he's 18 years old you sit down Hiram like oh my god and I don't mind when really young people run for office in those situations but uh he did not run for this and yeah it's Hiram being like here's an idea I had (laughs) like yeah so also you want to say Hiram really wants to work with Archie after their history like it's okay for Hiram to be respectful of Archie but like Mm -hmm they had a real they had a real hard time those two yeah. those two guys and yeah I, I gotta say the position of mayor in some places is very serious very important role in like big cities like mayors are nationally known they sometimes run for president but there's also so many mayors that are dogs that's i can't always take the position seriously absolutely yes dogs are plants for sure yep dogs cats have been there mm-hmm. uh just it's and it, a town the size of riverdale if you told me that a dog is mayor i'd be like what a good boy and like move on with my life that is absolutely correct yes riverdale which has a population of a hundred slash a population of a million you know <laughs> like, yeah. yes 
Uh, That's the, it's the exact size to get a dog there. I do, before we move on to prom song or prom scene, uh-huh. I just want to shout out Nana Rose for being so gay positive. Yes. Nana Rose loves this couple and that's so uh-huh. nice. That's just and lovely. I want to say that I out loud said, ew, when Molly Ringwald said, smile and say end game. Yup. Cringeworthy. But then we get to the prom. Yep. And this felt kind of like a season premiere-y type thing to happen because we sort of had a full cast moment, you know? Right. With everybody um, there. And the first prom song we hear is Kiss Me by Sixpence on the Richer, which is the prom song of the 90s. Absolutely. It really sets the tone. It is. I, for the listener at home, I, it was in every, every single, I mean, it was particularly poignant and she's all that but i it was in never been kissed too it may have been in i don't think it was in 10 things i hate about you but it was in a lot it was in a lot at the time and then as reggie is putting fizzle rocks into the punch uh oh reggie uh-huh. don't do that bad boy yep we get to hear the theme song to party of five yep closer which, to free by Bodhi. that's right which is so insane which was yep. a real Like I had like body flashbacks when that song came on in this episode because I watched like three or four seasons of Party of Five, so that was nuts to me. Strikes this they when they started the show they were trying to make it kind of like a nebulous timeline. Yes, and this they kind of gave up on that and were like, yeah, it just takes place now. But this like really was like suddenly back at like you don't know when this takes place. Well, this was kind of like this 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 felt like it was like the DJ had a theme, you know? Yeah, and none of the kids knew it was going to happen because kids do not know these songs. Absolutely. It seems like all the kids were like, this is fun. We don't know about this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Today. Yeah. Uh, this is a nice song. And then we had <laughs> Cheryl and Tony win, unsurprisingly. But wouldn't it have been yeah, so... Yeah, oh, you skipped a bunch. Oh, I'm you sorry. You skipped a bunch. Okay. So first of all, oh, yes, KO that's right. seems to be the problem, which is, I don't know why he's there. Yeah, KO's just, you know, still visiting. So he's like glomming yes. onto their prom. Yes. We get uh, The World I Know by Collective Soul. That's right. Yes. Collective Soul, then, a band that only existed on 90s radio for two yep. months. Yep. Yeah. But made and, a huge uh, impact on my middle school years. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And we have the scene with Archie and Veronica where it feels that Veronica knows what's going on a little bit, or she's really suspicious and she's, it feels like she's really desperate to keep it together. And that's why she says she's going to defer Bernard to work with Archie because it's a given that he's going to be deputy mayor. Yes. Um, Yes. But I'm glad Archie, Archie tells her he's, he's, open like there's not really anything but like we did kiss and it felt like there might have been something and he's like I needed you to know I think it's up to Betty to tell Jughead Mm -hmm. and also they are doing this at a prom in front of so many people I was like Jesus Christ Archie like he should have told her like he needs to tell her but like at prom Archie handles this very very well other Mm -hmm. than the fact that they're on the middle of the dance floor in the middle of their prom and yes. that is incredibly cruel. Yes. And I just, my heart breaks for Veronica in this scene. 
yeah breaks it's very it's 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 good because it's so dramatic it's good uh soap opera stuff but yeah. irl shame on archie you know yeah and if yeah. this were a regular prom the music would be so loud that they were trying to scream over the music so they'd definitely be missing stuff in translation it just like would not be no it's not the right time to have that sort of conversation yeah absolutely and then we get then we get cheryl and tony winning prom queens right and, and cheryl of course gives a speech there was so much a part of me that really wanted two other lesbians to win prom queen. <laughs> and that would have been like an amazing thing to happen on this show to be like, yeah, well, we had other gay couples and we like these people. Like, and it's like two yeah. characters that we've never seen or met before. And Which like live with it, Cheryl. Like, Yeah, I mean, these kids at the school must be really fed up with like this gang of kids that's like bringing horror and violence to the town. Like, of course they want some <laughs> other kids to win prom queen. Also like, there's that slideshow that happens like just to reference it and the slideshow yeah. is also like here's a shot of Archie and Veronica here's a shot of Cheryl <laughs> like, it reminds like... me I mean back here to community references yeah they at one point like at the end of the year you, you see Abed's video yearbook yes and it's yes. also like clips and pictures of the study group and then it comes out to like a bunch of people you've never seen watching it like why is this our yearbook? We don't even know these people. <laughs> yes, yes, which is a great, and it's a total trope of like, this show has five characters, and here's like their experience, you know, yeah, in a bigger there's other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and they're dancing their nice slow prom court dance to Fade Into You by Mazzy Star, which I didn't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, is this did you know this song oh yeah it was definitely recognizable to me definitely okay. yes but i wasn't like yeah. oh that's fade into you by mazzy star but i was like yeah 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 i know yes this. yeah <laughs> and then everything cuts and boy is it a song we recognize <laughs> yeah so uh song by my most favorite band of all time talking heads yeah. with their 1977 classic psycho killer yeah P possibly their most well-known yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I think it is their most well-known song, but it's definitely a real left turn from the 90s music theme, which makes sense because yeah. this is a sort of a whole other element encroaching on the prom. Right. So I, I get it. And but it sure surprised me to hear Psycho Killer in this context. Yeah. And it also the Fizzle Rocks hit everyone exactly at the same time. Yeah. Except for the gang, which didn't drink any punch. I guess they didn't drink any punch. Yeah, because then there's like all these people kind of pogoing around like that they know what is happening with Psycho Killer immediately. They're like, oh, great. Now this has been interrupted by like a very well-known new wave punk song where you pogo around to it. Do you know what I mean? I I work with teenagers. Let me tell you, they're all very big David Byrne fans. Are they? No. None they all of watched I American like Utopia? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also feel like like their parents are Gen X. Like there's a good chance they just like don't know Talking Heads like at yeah. all. Yeah, I mean Talking Heads have surprisingly been one of those bands that have been able to continue to attract new fans. There is something mm -hmm. about their music that's more evergreen than a lot of other bands from the late 70s, early 80s, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because, but yeah, I think because... they don't pick up those fans until they're a little bit older. 
Yes, absolutely. Unless unless it's, teens. unless it's a parent thing, like that's the only, you know, oh my, let's do it with my parents, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I do have to say that whenever a Talking Heads song pops up in a TV show, uh, it always makes me happy because it's some royalties going to my friends, Chris and Tina, who helped write it. So I'm always like, oh, great. You know, this just means that Chris and Tina will be able to afford to take me out to dinner the next time I see them. <laughs> so cheers, like. Riverdale. Thank you so much. Thank you for the yeah. that they're going to buy for me the next time I have dinner with them. So hooray. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what a delight. Um, anyway, so the video they're playing instead of the video yearbook with four people is the owl mask guy we saw at the rave getting murdered. Yes. Murdered, if you will. Murdered! Oh my God! You know, what we need is we need an expert in bird law on the show to figure out how they'll be prosecuted. Yeah, yeah. Harvey Birdman, call him up. Yeah, I was referencing Always Study in Philadelphia because Charlie is an expert in bird law, but... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So yeah. So um yeah. The parents uh, are just watching. Yeah, the parents don't really know how to react as per usual on the show. Yeah. They're completely ineffectual in every single way. They were they were like really into psycho killer, and then they're like, why is everyone upset? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They're like, like, oh, we love this song. Yeah, why are you upset they're playing like a great song? Yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah, and then we get to uh, um, uh, the scene that I want to point out where uh, Tony really clearly explains to Cheryl, I can't go home with you tonight. Yes, but you jumped something. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I always is, jump. Yeah, so Jughead like smashes the projector and Betty turns the lights on and Kevin is truly like, hey guys, what just happened? <laughs> like I stan Kevin I yes. love this because he clearly saw what happened but is like this doesn't make sense in the context of my life and some people are very upset but everyone seems to be upset for different reasons and I would really like a nice breakdown in the situation yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's not heavy to him because he's clear like clearly he's not involved because he doesn't really know what's happening but he is just like a little bit gossipy like what's going on here <laughs> Yeah, he just wants to, I think he just wants to make sure everybody's okay. Yeah, but like also like, if everyone's okay, like I want the hot gas. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It's like when your friend slips on ice and you are like, are you okay? And then they're okay, so you laugh. Yes, like that, a little. that is true. <laughs> so then Cheryl, Cheryl thanks like Tony for the night, which is so mm -hmm. mature of Cheryl. And Cheryl understands mm -hmm. that Tony is balancing a lot of difficult issues right now yep so that and is I really think cool it's interesting that cheryl's so much like you know family's the most important thing when cheryl's family's a disaster yeah but, but i she, think cheryl gets that if you have someone knows, in your family that you love it's important you know because yeah, they're her family's that, just like, so fucking terrible she knows her family's not normal and that is like she, because family is so important, that's what makes her family the not normal family. That's right. Is that they seem to not be important. And also remember that family was very important to Cheryl when she had Jason. So mm -hmm. this does tie in with her character very well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I really liked the scene. Me as well. Absolutely. Then we have the real Archie and Ronnie breakup, mm -hmm. which was so sad and heartbreaking to me. And mm -hmm. I understand it, but it is rough. The whole thing is very rough. They mm -hmm. both handle it very maturely. 
It's in the music room. There was a weird sound thing happening in this scene. Did you pick up on that? It sounded like maybe it was raining outside, but I never got any confirmation as to whether it was raining or not. Just was wondering I if you noticed that. Didn't notice anything going on with the sound, but I also okay. wasn't paying a ton of a ton of attention at this point. Yes, that's totally okay. <laughs> I was taking notes, and also it was like a little bit boring. Like I'm like, okay, they're like we don't need to see the whole breakup. But okay. yes, yes, I thought we did for dramatic purposes because their relationship has been so important on the show. But yeah, but I know. feel like following they already had the big breakdown on the dance floor. That is true. That is true. Like we know what's going on here. We know what's happening. Yeah. So then in the next act break after the, you know, this is the final little few scenes here. We get Jughead refers to their lives as a Jamie Lee Curtis movie, which is Mm -hmm. correct. Yep. Very funny reference, mainly to Halloween. But you know, Jamie Lee Curtis was in a lot of horror movies when she was young. Yep. Yep. The OG screen queen. And then we have the scene with Veronica and uh, and Hermione, where all of a sudden Hermione is trying to be a parent, which is great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, too little too late, Hermione, but nice try here, comforting mm-hmm. Veronica with this breakup. And then my brain immediately went to the fact that I think that in the next episode, Hiram is going to tear Rip Archie limb from limb <laughs> for breaking up with Veronica and Archie will die and he will not be on the show anymore. What a journey that would be. I know, but like, isn't that clearly exactly what would actually happen here if they could get away with oh, killing yeah. off Archie? Yeah. Like, Hiram I mean, is going even... to murder him. <laughs> I wonder, so we saw this scene of Hiram beating up people and then we have Archie break his daughter's heart and we know he's good at fighting now so you know good punch to the jaw yeah it it will happen here absolutely yeah you heard it here first yeah (laughs) and then um um, you know there's Cheryl alone and it's sad mm -hmm. and I feel bad Mm -hmm. for her and her whole arc this episode was wonderful yeah um, so Betty and Jughead, they go to the video store to see just like what's happening mm-hmm. and they get there and there's the setup, the scene from the birder and they're being recorded in this room and there's a big sign and the big flashing light and they don't notice and I'm like buddies, but um, I don't, I don't know why they're being filmed. I'm not sure if they're going to be implicated in the murder using it if this is just going to be sent to them to creep them out. Like, I don't know what the purposes of them getting recorded right here is. This climax was a little off because it felt like sort of the episode just kind of ended and Uh you know, yeah, they're being filmed. Archie gets this video. It is certainly creepy. It's, you know, a replication of when he was held at gunpoint by the black hood, which is scary for sure. Yep. However, it, felt kind of like it's at the same level of of scary as everything else in the episode. It's just it like, like, okay, almost... these guys are doing more, you know? Yeah, it felt like what I was saying before, which is like these videotapes for a long time had just been like lateral moves. Yeah. And then this episode, it was like building up to like refining where they're being seen and like what they're being shot and like some stuff is moving. And then this like went back to that like lateral, just like, yep, scary thing. Someone knows that these very public events happen to us. 
Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Did, it, it Good was a bad episode, ending. not the best ending. Yeah. Yeah. And that is season five, episode one, Climax. Uh, yep. I feel like we talked about it for a little longer than we normally do, but that's really worth it because we're back. We, we're yeah, back. We're better than ever, baby. Yeah. So who's on your crush list? Who's on your power list? So crush list, so clearly Kevin this episode. Sure, you loved him this episode, yes. I, and I little, love, and it was- His cute little, his cute little tuchus. His yeah, and it just, yeah. This started at the end of last season where they just started using Kevin as the like, us person. Yes, um, it's better for him. It's a better use of him for sure. Yeah, and I'm really liking it. And they really leaned into it. I put uh, Mr. Keller, whose first name I can't remember because I always like him, Tom. Mm-hmm. Tom Keller. Um, yep. yep, and then- Betty. Yes. She looked so pretty for prom and she was also I feel the most active character. Mhm. She's not on my like she's not top power list but she was like doing stuff and like emoting and reacting in a way that a lot of the characters do not. Yes. Yeah. Uh Betty was the only one that crossed over onto my crush list as well. Then mm-hmm. also on my list is KO Kelly cuz why not? Okay. How much fun yep. was it to see him work out for such an extended period of time? And lives here for the boys. And then Tony, just because her prom outfit, totally cool, really, really awesome. She looked great. Um, and I really loved the clothes they put the women in specifically for the prom. Yeah. Who's on your powerless? I found my my powerless was hard this week. I thought there wasn't a it lot was. of big mover shakers. Yeah. Yeah. So I have the top as the auteur still doing something. Yes. Uh, yep. I, I want to chime in and say my top was David, assuming that he is the auteur, which he's probably not, you know. No, I from think the video store. I think it's Chip. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's Chip. Um, and then I have the the naval commandant who's boring. I don't think we're gonna see him again, but he did change the Archie's trajectory. Me as well. I had him on the list as well. Yep, and then I have Betty because she was actually moving the plot forward on yes. most of the people. Yes, I have Archie because he really took his relationship into his hands in a okay. way that was pretty powerful for all the characters. So mm-hmm. yeah, but other than that, I have the same power list as you. Awesome. Uh wow. Next week. What are we what are we what are we looking forward to here? Chapter 78, the preppy murders. Mm-hmm. So this is probably gonna really bring home whatever's going on with all of the kids at Stonewall Prep. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be their probably their final hurrah in the series. Right. And I look Maybe forward we'll to it. Maybe we'll find out what happened to Jonathan. Yeah, pff, I don't. I doubt it. I doubt we're going to find out what happened to Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> you know, but I'll be sad to see Brett go because I just love Brett. He's been so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, you, they've been great villains. Great villains. Agreed 100%. They've been great for the show. Well, I look forward to watching that episode and recording another one with you. Yes. You know, please, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, subscribe to the podcast. That is like the best possible thing you could do for us. You can also give us feedback on all social media. Just look up XOXO Riverdale. You'll find us. Uh, You know, it's great to be back. Yep. (laughs) All Uh, right. I'm Louis Perlman. I'm Kate Matter. Thank you to our editor, Angeli Mercado. Yes, and our theme songwriter, Louis Ronowitz. All right, now we can say our signature goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>